Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of BuzzFeed's The Library, our latest sachet away exit interview with the one, with the only, Alexis Michelle. Hi, Alexis. Hello. How are you? I'm amazing. How's it going? Wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful except for the fact that I'm in LA and you're in New York and I hear you are wearing an outfit to end all outfits. Oh, you know, I'm just repping the brand. I've got my Subway Fish hat and my Subway Fish onesie on. Um, I'm also like a degenerate and these aren't up on my website yet. But (laughs) they'll be available very soon for purchase on SubwayFish.com. Love it. Stay tuned. Keep refreshing for those. Alexis, I want to ask, I mean, you know, you talked about this a little bit on the show. We saw it with your princess look. Tell us the origins of the subway fish. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So basically, um, you know, and I realized that fish in itself is sort of a controversial drag, you know, bit of lingo. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, in in the old legend, fish is to reference someone who is passable, someone who looks womanly, womanly enough in the daytime to go out and do her life and pass as a woman. Now, I am in on the joke, children. I never would claim that I'm like fully looking like, you know, a cisgendered lady, although sometimes, you know, on a good day in the right lighting. (laughs) But I would ride the subway up to my gig on the Upper West Side. That was when, um, it was like three years ago when I got my first, like, steady weekly show um, every Wednesday night. And I would take the train in full gauche from my place downtown all the way uptown. And so I just thought, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my full, my full gig. So, I'm going to start doing this hashtag, Subway Fish. Yeah. And so it was just meant to be a playful thing, and it end up, ended up taking off. And, like, a lot of the girls here in New York City, they ride the train to their gigs because that's what we working girls do. Sure. And I started a little trend. Love it. Well, it made for quite a memorable sidekick during your princess challenge, for sure. Come on, Subway you know, Tadpole. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask Alexis, you know, it, it's so interesting, I find, for the people who are on reality television, because so much for them changes during the experience of making the show, you know, especially on something like RuPaul's Drag Race. You grow and you learn. So what has it been like, you know, almost one year later, watching yourself in this competition? It's been fun. A lot of it, like, especially earlier in the season, I'd watch with, like, big wide eyes and just my mouth wide open just because it was like, oh, my God, I remember that, and I remember that, and I remember that. <laughs> and and I will say, like, so much of it feels so much like it felt to be living it, and so it's a bit of a, a time capsule to go back and watch it a year later and be like, oh, yeah, that, and that, and that. You know, and as far as you know, being a somewhat controversial figure on the show, um, it has its ups and downs and it's a roller coaster ride. And while there are so many elements that go into be- being a controversial figure on reality TV, the overall thing that I've taken from the experience is a bit of wisdom that I got from RuPaul himself, which is to you know, realize how twisted the world is and therefore not take it so seriously. And so I'm just trying to, like, enjoy and laugh at everything. Absolutely. I want to dig into that a little bit, Alexis, because, you know, what was so interesting about this season was that no one was 
painted or portrayed as a traditional villain in the RuPaul's Drag Race reality television kind of way. You know, everyone. So what do you think it is about you that makes you say you're a controversial queen? I think it's because, you know, I'm a lady of a certain age and, you know, not to paint myself older than I am. All I mean to say by that is that I've lived I've lived some life and I've had some experience out in the field. I think that when you you have that perspective, it helps you in your own identity. Like I, I know who I am and I feel sure of who I am. And I think that when you have that kind of established personality, when you have a strong personality, and mine is a large one, coming from the theater and coming from a place in my drag where I don't see Alexis as a separate person, but rather my female half or extension, it makes for a very loud personality. I think a big personality can be intimidating, maybe even particularly to someone who hasn't fully established who they are. You know, sometimes when you see someone that's like that, it can it can shake you in your boots a little bit. Before I was at the place I'm at now, I definitely remember feeling that way, feeling like a bit intimidated um, and maybe even put off by someone who was so sure in their own skin. So I don't know. May- maybe that's it. But I don't want to make assumptions for everybody. Well, you know, the the loudness that you're talking about, I thought was channeled really well into a season that was very acting heavy. I mean, as someone who has maybe once or twice, Alexis, mentioned they have a performer background in the theater. Right. Uh, what I mean, what was your reaction when you realized challenge after challenge was really playing into something you were so good at? I, I mean, of course, I was thrilled, you know, for anything that was performance-based. And it's frankly something I was expecting. I think it's a trend that we've been seeing on the show for the past couple seasons. I think so much of showbiz, no matter what you're doing, whether you're singing or doing on camera or whatever you're doing, there is a performance element. And so I think that the show really plays to that. And I think that's amazing. Um Again, as someone who's, you know, walked the walk in showbiz for a while, you have to know that there are moments. So like when when I had a tough day with the roast, for example, it's like you just have to kind of embrace that and be like, okay, that's showbiz. Sometimes you have a shitty day, you know. Right. It's very Roxy Hart. That's showbiz kids. That's showbiz kid. (laughs) Let's talk about the roast, because that was very unlike you to sort of not perform in an acting challenge so well. I mean, for you, the green of it all, let's start there. I mean, (laughs) I, I, as a fan of the show, I know what you were doing by painting yourself green. You were going back to the, I told her not to wear green from Michelle Visage from years and years ago. Do you wish you had made that point a little clearer? Do you wish you hadn't done the green? How are you feeling about that? Well... I didn't think I would need to make the point clearer. I (laughs) thought it would be blatantly obvious. It was not just mentioned once. It's been mentioned several times. I'm a super fan of the show. And like other super fans out there, like you, it sounds, we all know that the fact that Michelle Visage has mixed feelings about different tones of green Mm -hmm. um, is like a known fact. And so I thought, oh, my God, how cute. I'm coming out to roast her and I'm going to be green, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and so I think it read, but, um, you know, perhaps it didn't or if it didn't, um, 
Do I regret it? Not really, because I, I could have sold it. I think what happened in the roast, and you know, let's be clear, the roast was not just an acting challenge. It right. was a combination of stand-up mm-hmm. and live emceeing in front of a in front of a live crowd. And that's actually my comfort zone. I feel really good with a microphone in my hand, but writing jokes and delivering them is a whole skill. And it's a I would say it's something I can do and that I've I've been successful at uh in my career. However, in that moment, under that pressure, I had a rocky start. Um, you know, I kind of fumbled with my jokes and the cards in the beginning, and it just threw me so hard. And you would think that for someone as experienced as me that I would have been able to recover from that and like pick myself up and like go strong, but it shook me to the core. Like mm. I was so shook. And um, and I just couldn't recover. And, you know, the the critique was that the jokes weren't funny. And I assure you, there were a lot more jokes that, you know, didn't make the cut. And and I and I think that like plenty of them had humor, you know, and had merit. But I also know what can trump a funny joke is if it's not delivered with ease and with with confidence. And I don't think I was delivering my jokes with comfort or ease. And if you as a performer aren't comfortable, your audience can't be comfortable. They can't enjoy themselves. For sure. You know, but I think the one great thing about you that really was all season long was I was always so impressed by your belief in yourself. You know, I think you really displayed sort of the confidence that's necessary to be successful in this competition. So when you look back on the experience, do you feel like you made many missteps? I'm so glad you asked that. I want to I want to sort of address both. Um the first thing I want to say, no, you know, we'll we'll start with the latter part. So I definitely feel like I made several missteps. Um largely to do with aesthetic choices. Um, Uh I'm known here in New York for being a pretty polished queen and someone who can really like put together a conceptual and fully completed look. And, you know, I auditioned to be on the show for the past eight years. And so the amount of anticipation and sort of wishing and hoping for this was so extreme that I honestly think when the time came to really gather what I had to get ready for this, and then when it came time to selecting particular pieces of apparel for particular moments on the show, I think that there were a couple moments where I felt like I choked a little or had sort of tunnel vision and didn't see something through to its destination. So, you know, the the outfit under the fur coat and maybe the choice for the green or or if I was going to go green to wear a more spectacular dress and not, you know. So I do feel that there were moments where I didn't go hard enough with the looks. There were other more successful moments, like I loved my Lady Gaga gown, even though we only saw it very briefly, like my naughty nighty runway was a real highlight. I felt really beautiful that day. But the lows for me did feel kind of low. I was like, you know what? To me, that is not an Alexis Michelle standard on the runway of RuPaul's Drag Race. So I feel like the missteps that I took were were largely visual choices 
because I think the show is received so visually. We live in such a visual yes, age, for sure. you know, where you can just swipe on your phone. And so you have to deliver a visual package straight away. So those were probably my biggest regrets. But the other thing I wanted to respond to is that, you know, you talked about confidence and being sure of myself. I just want to say to anyone who might hear this that I am just as human and full of fear and self-doubt as anybody else. But something that really changed this year for me when I auditioned for the show, which I almost didn't do, by the way. I came so close to not auditioning for season After all nine. those years. Yeah, wow. I was like, I just don't know if I have the will to do this again. Mm-hmm. And I was like ready to go to culinary school. Um, oh. <laughs> but something that changed once I made the video and I could see that the video was of a different caliber than years past, I really kind of secreted that shit. I was like, I believe in the power of attraction. I have always felt in my heart, and it's something that I talked about in in the most recent episode, that this was part of my destiny, to be a part of this legacy. And I always felt that. What I want to say to anyone who might hear this is, if you have a feeling in your heart that something is for you, then it is. And believe it, and manifest it because I really do believe that there's power in that attraction. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, hundred I mean, percent. When I when I had the first interview uh, that was part of the process of getting cast, I mean, this like weight went off my shoulders, and it was so gratifying and validating. And I literally felt to myself, you know what? If it doesn't go any farther, then I had this. I had this moment where they witnessed me, they saw me, and they'd been paying attention all those years. Um, and then I, I started to say, I can't, but, and I stopped myself and I said, no, I can believe it. I can believe it and I can see it and I can taste it. So I just want to encourage everybody, you know, live your dream. It, it can happen. Absolutely. And here you are, top five. I mean, that's yes. a huge accomplishment. Thank you. I want to ask you, you know, you're talking about things not being up to your standard aesthetically on Mm -hmm. the show sometimes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened a couple of times in Untucked is you talk to the other girls about them not giving you a heads up that maybe your outfits weren't on point. And I want to, I'm curious if you felt they should have done that because you did that for them or because that's just something you saw them doing for everyone else but you. I mean, uh, because it came up, like, I think... Three or so times. Did it? I know it came up after the fur, the faux fur runway. And then I know yeah. we talked about it a little bit in this recent episode. I don't I don't remember it at other times. But I think this was a very congenial season. Um, yes, I would agree. I know I walked in there like wanting to make friends. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I did. I feel like I made some incredible friends. There was a real sisterly vibe in the workroom. And there was a lot of communal discussion and yes, even even sort of help and advice in those moments, particularly, you know, particularly the faux fur moment, um, because everybody had such a strong reaction to that. In that moment, I was just disappointed in myself. I knew that I killed that performance challenge. And so I knew that I dropped the ball with, again, with that tunnel vision thinking, this is the story I want to tell, and not having the the chance to sort of step outside and look at it and go, oh, you know what, girl? Why don't you put that on under that fur coat? And it really, it could have made everything different. And st- and I didn't in that moment, nor do I now, blame any of my sisters for that. 
if I made the wrong choice, that was totally on me. Would it have been lovely for someone to go like, hey, girl, why don't you put on that thing that's hanging on that hanger over there? Because it looks <laughs> a lot better. Um, but that's nobody's job, you know. And I, so I, I didn't hold it against anybody then, nor do I now. I think in that moment, I was just disappointed in myself. And the other thing I've learned in life is you can't hold people to expectations based on how you would behave because that's it's not fair. Not everybody's the same, and so that will only lead to sort of disappointment and resentment. So better to just sort of go in with no expectation and no attachment. It's very, very yoga, you know, to live a life of unattachment. The thing you're talking about, Alexis, is something I've heard from a lot of the contestants once they left the show is that you can be as prepared, have done, you know, this art form for as many years as you have. And the reality of the time constraints of this competition only dawn on you once you're actually in the thick of it. Yeah, I've heard it said, and it is so real. It's a race. That's not a joke. The time is part of the competition. But it's more than that. Um, There's so much more that you cannot possibly anticipate until you're in the thick of it. It was on the daily that I would just like look around and be like, oh, I'm here. Like, this is happening. Like, this is that thing, that right. elusive thing that I've been thinking about for all these years. And here it is. And it's different than I thought it was going to be. Over the years in fantasizing about doing it, you try to piece together what it's going to be like so that you can be your most prepared. And I promise you, no matter how prepared you are, and you should be as prepared as you can be, you're still going to feel kind of like thrown. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. You were talking a moment ago about this being a very congenial season, which obviously I agree with. And I'm curious what the reaction has been for you from fans, you know, to this season of RuPaul's Best Group Therapy Race, given (laughs) all of the amazing conversations that you were able to showcase into Spotlight, you know, from body dysmorphia to everyone sort of talking about their family stories. There was a real heart this year that I feel like has always been there, but never as prominent as it was this year. Well, I think it was prominent this year because that's really what we were living. Um, I think that we filmed this and and it's airing in a climate that is so tense and so mixed up and backwards and upside down and hostile that community is indeed what we need right now. And I think that to the loyal people who support Drag Race, they have always loved, you know, the craziness and the drama. And so, you know, it was a little low on the drama factor this season. And I think that that's a disappointment to some people. But I would just say to that, I just don't think that's what we need as a community right now. I think what we need as a community right now is to be together and to support each other because there's a lot of forces outside of our community that would love if we weren't even around. This is the time to, you know, to support each other and build each other up. You know, and as far as fan reactions, I personally have gotten, you know, an amazing, amazing outpouring of love and support. And I'm so grateful to everybody that is supportive and and appreciates what I do. And then there's also a, a large population that I've gotten a lot of flack for, you know, whether it's for being, in quotes, overly sensitive about about my body image, um, 
my feelings and my body image are mine and it's and they're things that I've worked on my whole life and they're things I'm continuing to work on. And if I can be specific, you know, I reacted so sensitively in, in that reading challenge about body image because when when the girls were talking about anorexia and bulimia, I chimed in and talked about how I've struggled with overeating and binging, you know, for much of my mm-hmm. life. You know, it didn't really make the cut and it didn't really get much of a conversation amongst my sisters as well. And that mm-hmm. was hard. And mm-hmm. so I really wasn't even expecting them to go for that when it came to reading me because I wouldn't have said, you know, so-and-so, you're so skinny, you right. dot, dot, dot. But, you know, Alexis, you gave us so much to talk about this season, you know, from your performances of Chris Jenner and Liza to your lip syncs. And But the thing that we on this podcast probably spent the most time talking about and debating was the tiny witch's hat you pulled out during ah! that lip sync for your life. Because... <laughs> Alexis, first of all, there was like an entire 10 minute conversation where we couldn't decide if it was a witch's hat or if it was like a shoulder pad. And then obviously we (laughs) saw the following week that it was indeed a tiny witch's hat. I need the full oral history of where that witch's hat came from. Okay, so what happened was when it apparently wasn't blatantly obvious why I was painted green, they they were all like, oh, well, you're kind of doing this alphabet thing, but then you're not because you didn't talk about it. And I was like, well, yeah, just because I'm painted green, I'm not alphabet because I have done. (laughs) I don't know, you know, if people go back and check my receipts, I have done like a full alphabet illusion several times, which I love. Um, But... Basically, because the judges commented on it and they were like, you know, it was kind of alphabet, but it wasn't. I was like, okay. And I thought to myself, there's a little felt witch's hat floating around that workroom. I've seen it. (laughs) I think that they brought it out. I think it was like a prop presented to us for the princess design challenge. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. And I remember it floating around and I was like, I need that. Mm, Excuse me. I need that bleeping hat. You can curse. It's the internet. Okay, I need that fucking hat. (laughs) So I just went and I found it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stick this up in my panties. And I'm going (laughs) to pull it out when I need to. Just to kind of bring it full circle for them. Because it's like, I think it, it was a way to say, I'm laughing at this. I have a sense of humor. And I'm listening to you. Right. You know? And and it was fun. You know, everybody everybody likes a surprise in a lip sync. Absolutely. Well, much like Alphaba Alexis Michelle, you can't bring me down. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it was so much fun watching you this season. Thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us today. And uh, I really hope we get to see, you know, more shades of the Crayola box on you as your career continues. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. What a dream. Of course. Thank you so much. And with that, the library is closed. <laughs> 